you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. So this Epiphany series, if you take out Megan's sermon from last week, has been my shortest average preaching time since I've been at Andover. That was a too quick amen, Darren. I don't, I'm have to think about that one. Megan admittedly preached fairly lengthily last week. I saw the time. Uh, we'll give her uh, one pass as a guest friend to come in and preach too long, but if she comes back, she's going to have a time limit. Um, I've, I've realized this morning why my sermons have been so short in this series, and it's because I have gotten all discombobulated in Epiphany. We're doing something new this year, and I'm writing a curriculum for our Sunday school classes. So I write this way ahead of time in theory. We're not so ahead this time, but... Uh, This last one for Epiphany, I wrote way ahead of time, so I was with these texts for weeks. And then once it was written, I filmed these texts and uh, kind of created a video curriculum. And then I was really super on top of my game, so I was writing my sermons early too. And so I was writing sermons on the same text that I had written a study on and recorded a study on. And then we fast-forwarded, and I taught my new Sunday school class these same texts, but not from the video, doing it at hand, and then would come in here and preach the same text. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know who I've told what. Um, I am finding that I'm getting nervous that you're hearing the same thing over and over, and so I'm shrinking the sermons down to make sure it's the, the kind of meat of it, and apparently Darren likes that. So uh, you probably get a shorter one today. Starting next week, they start branching out. So Sunday school and uh, the sermon will be different texts. So don't begrudge me if we get back up to our more normal kind of 15 to 18 minutes. These have been like 8 to 12 minute sermons. Uh, Kathy is nodding like we should keep that process, um, which is hurtful. TED Talks are 18 minutes. Those, that should be like the ideal number. TED Talks, everybody loves them. They make Brene Brown famous. They got uh, kind of everybody thinking about how to speak in public, and they're 18 minutes. Some expert has studied and said 18 minutes is the right amount of time. It's the kind of average attention span. Uh, it is. And let's be honest. I love, I had a dear friend who was the Offerings Campus pastor who would preach for 42 to 47 minutes every week, and he is brilliant. I don't want to listen to anybody for 47 minutes uh, per week. 18 minutes is a good number. Today will probably be closer to like 10 because I'm not sure who I've told what. We're on Transfiguration Sunday, which is the final Sunday in the season of Epiphany. What? I don't have a clock, Jake. (laughs) Our screen died. Nobody has fixed it. We don't have a clock, so I have no clue. And Harper's not back there with a sheet of paper to tell me when I've been 10 minutes. So that's also helped, as Harper holds that sign up and makes it clear that I have uh, gone 10 minutes, and he feels like that should be a point in my sermon that I'm aware of. (laughs) If any of y'all hold up 10-minute signs, I'm going to die just in the middle of the sermon. (laughs) So um, you've just distracted me entirely, Jake. We're in the season of Epiphany, which started out with the story of Jesus appearing to the Magi uh, as a baby. These uh, foreign astrologers who should not experience God's revelation according to Israel's law, and yet 
uh, they get some of the first images into how God reveals God's self to the world. We get the story of Jesus' baptism, the, uh, the turning of water into wine at the wedding at Cana. We get the calling of the disciples. We get uh, how uh, Jesus reveals himself to even those possessed with evil spirits. And uh, historically, the church always ends the season of Epiphany at the story of the transfiguration. It's this text that uh, Jake read us from Mark's gospel. Uh, Want to get more confusing? We're preaching from Mark's gospel, but the Sunday school class was from Luke's gospel. And so I planned the sermon with some of the details from Luke's gospel, even though we read Mark's gospel. So just hang on, because uh, it's all somewhere in scripture. The story of the transfiguration uh, it is this beautiful moment where Jesus invites his closest disciples into a special revelation of God. Uh, he goes to these three men, Peter, James, and John, who he is closest to, the ones who uh, get special access that others don't, and he invites them to come with him. And they go up a mountain, and the story says that as soon as they get up there, we have, a, we have two things happening. Jesus is immediately changed. His, uh, his very image is transfigured. He he is radiating with uh, light, and he is uh, glowing as if he is uh, illuminated by the sun. He is different, and the disciples are sleepy. Uh, that's what Mark's gospel leaves out that Luke uh, uh, kind of brings to the, the front every week, is that uh, the disciples are struggling to stay awake. I'd love to be holier than thou and think, how in the world would you go up on a mountain with Jesus and be struggling to stay awake? But uh, let's be honest. They were probably tired. They've been doing a lot of things. We're probably, what, two years into Jesus' ministry, maybe even in the third year. Maybe it's just not quite as special as it has been. You know, he's done lots of miracles by this point. He's preached a lot of sermons. We don't get all of them in Scripture, but they've probably heard a couple hundred. They're probably longing for the 10-minute sermon instead of the 18-minute sermon. Uh, maybe some of the specialness has worn off. Maybe they, uh, they got late into a revival service the night before at the synagogue, and uh, they're just tired. And so they go up on this mountain, and they are struggling. What about, can we turn the air condition on? Can we, can we drink some coffee? How are we going to stay awake in this moment? And they manage to stay awake for this special moment. Jesus is transfigured. He uh, appears uh, uh, in this kind of stormy moment, uh, and it is clear that something different is happening. And then before they can uh, kind of grasp what is happening here, uh, two more figures appear, and it's Moses and Elijah. My Sunday school class is not very sporty, we discovered this morning, because I tried to connect this to sports, even though I don't care about sports. This is like your biggest heroes of the day showing up uh, in the midst of where you are. If you care about that game that's happening tonight, it's like the two quarterbacks showed up. It's like, uh, I, I'm not going to get into politics, but your favorite politician shows up. This is, uh, this is Moses. Uh, Moses equals the law. This is uh, this is the weight of the whole first half of the Old Testament. And this is Elijah, the prophet of prophets, kind of bearing witness to the whole second half of the Old Testament. Uh, in their midst with Jesus, who they've already heard is my beloved son from God at his baptism. So they've got the very son of God. They've got the law and the prophets transfigured in ways that are radiating God's glory. They are on the struggle bus trying to stay awake. And they're there. And they manage to stay awake. I can fall asleep anywhere. I fell asleep when I was a youth at the annual conference session for youth of the United Methodist Church in North Carolina. We were on stage and the bishop is talking and I fell asleep on the stage in front of everybody. 
I, I could fall asleep at the transfiguration, but they managed to stay awake. They managed to experience this revelation of God that no one else experiences. That's big crowds, right? He's got the 12, he's got the 70, he's got the, uh, the, the crowds, he's got the 5,000 that he has just been with, and yet three get to experience this moment. And they go from how do we stay awake to how do we keep this from ending? Uh, the translation is translated a couple different ways, but Peter says something along the, along the lines of, let's build some tents or let's build some shrines uh, so that we can keep this thing going. Whether it's to stay in this moment or to remember this moment, Peter has gone from a sleepy boy to I cannot believe this is happening. This is life-altering kind of thing. This is once-in-a-lifetime uh, experience of God. How can we let this end? And as if it wasn't enough, then God, uh, uh, God the Father, speaks through a storm, saying, this is my son. Follow him. Do what he says. These people were present at the baptism. They had been present for Jesus' entire earthly ministry, and they get this moment. I kind of went through it in Sunday school. There's like seven steps where this could have been an amazing experience. Just getting to go up on the mountain with Jesus should have been enough. And yet all the way through, this ends with God the Father speaking this declaration for them. And then the story ends. They're done. Jesus looks back like his normal self. He's in his street clothes. They're ready to go back down the mountain and join the others. Can you imagine kind of uh, the feelings they're feeling walking back down that mountain? Kathy Beach is shaking her head no, because I don't think we can. Uh, if you've been on an amazing mountaintop moment, this is like the, this is literally where we get that language from, the mountaintop moment, that spiritual high, that feeling of God with us. This is where it comes from. They have experienced God in ways that we cannot even fathom, and now they have to go back to their everyday, ordinary, eating, sleeping, drinking, uh, washing their feet kind of lives. And then they have to go hang out with all these friends who didn't go up to the mountain. These people who have loved Jesus just as much as they have. These people who have left behind their business. These people who have uh, said, sure, I'll go follow. And Jesus tells them not to talk about it. I would want to talk about it. I would want to go tell everybody, y'all have lost it. Y'all cannot believe what just happened. If I had had a camera, a little GoPro, we would have taken some video because Moses and Elijah were up on that mountain and then God spoke. I would talk that fast because I do anyway. But um, Kathy, I do talk too fast, but I've been working on it. I'm taking singing lessons and he has also encouraged me that we might think about how our voice is used for speaking as well. Uh, and so both Kathys are laughing at me now. Um, I am slowing down. I have not yet analyzed my words per minute, but it is slower. But I would have shouted it from the mountaintops that this thing had just happened with Jesus. It would have been hard to contain uh, that, that excitement. But it had to end, didn't it? This is the thing that dumbfounds me. As amazing as this moment is, if it hadn't ended, the rest of the story would have been different. If they'd have chilled out on the mountain for the rest of their lives, we would not have had the Jerusalem story we would not have had the cross or the empty tomb. We would not have had the resurrection of appearances. We would not have had uh, Pentecost or the church. If, like, if somehow they're just chilling up on the mountain today, 
everything is different. If they just stayed up there until they just died of old age, everything is different. This is the clearest revelation I got up until this point. But it had to end so that we got the even clearer revelation of God. For as much as this moment shows us how God loves us and shows us who God is, the cross and the empty tomb show us even more about who God is and how God is. There's some people who are probably really disappointed because I'm betting Peter, James, and John didn't keep it entirely secret. I bet Thaddeus heard about it. At some point, whispers got around that those three got to see Moses and Elijah transfigured on the mountain with Jesus. And I bet Thaddeus longed for that moment. Just like I know some of you in here are longing for the moment where you experience Jesus' ways that you know other people have. You have heard about these people who feel the Spirit in their heart, and yet you have not had that moment. John Wesley did half his ministry feeling the exact same way, longing for something special to happen. I can't imagine being the disciples and waiting. And they almost missed their moments. When, when the cross came, when Jesus was betrayed, they, they pulled aside. They metaphorically fell asleep. They uh, kind of pushed away from what was going on. You know, ultimately, Jesus invited them all, all back to himself in the resurrection. He told the women, go find the 12 and tell them. He sent out the women first, and we need to take that lesson for, for heart, uh, and then sent them and said, go get all of them. And they all got this moment. I'm not sure how comforting that is to the folks who didn't go up the mountain. But they eventually got their moment. They eventually got to experience this. I wish I had an easy, uh, kind of surefire way to tell you how to experience uh, the warmness of the Spirit in your heart. I wish I had a way to tell you to experience a mountaintop moment. I can give you tools that can't hurt. Wear out your knees in prayer. Interrogate the scriptures. Fast. Come to this table every week. Join together in worship. Develop deep spiritual friendships with people who will say, how is your soul? Uh, Get into an environment where you're learning about Christ and the scriptures together. These things cannot hurt, but they don't guarantee a mountaintop. And so we either sit and our disappointment, or we keep looking for those mountains that are around. I gotta tell you, Eddie Ray um, has kind of wrecked my whole direction of the sermon in Sunday school this morning, because uh, I kept saying like, well, but uh, we were talking about the Asbury uh, outpouring, and how uh, there were some feelings amongst church leaders of, why did that happen here, but not here? We've been faithful, we have been uh, doing the things that we do to seek after God's face. Why? Why is this outpouring happening in this one place but not another? And Eddie said that that happens every Sunday here. Whew! Um, I needed to hear that maybe we have to redefine our mountains too. And maybe we need to look for where they are right in our midst even today.
I don't know where to go from there. I had this all wrapped up neatly with I promise that ultimately we'll come to a time when there is no more pain and sorrow. We'll come to a time when God's radiance shines. And absolutely, we have, we have the Christian hope of the final things. We have that hope that can sustain us in the midst of everything. And yet, I, I want to be like Eddie. I want to find this mountain every week here and with you. I want to experience uh, experience the revelation of God uh, in these very moments and not let them pass by as we uh, almost fall asleep waiting for the something bigger. There's a lot of time between the mountain transfiguration and the, and the empty tomb and uh, not to push it too far. I don't want to waste those moments for us. It'd be easy for us to sit and uh, kind of waller in, uh, in Christian eschatological hope for the end times and uh, lament what is not. But I want to take on uh, this attitude that Eddie uh, brought us to this morning, which is let's find that mountain together. Let's see what God is doing right now. Let's reframe our expectations. And then let's keep doing those things that we know that cannot hurt us. Let's keep, uh, let's keep praying. Let's keep searching the scriptures. Let's keep coming to the table every week. Let's fast. Let's find a group of people who says, how is it with your soul? Let's find a group where we're studying the scriptures and let's worship together, amen? amen. Let's pray. God, I'll admit that uh, I think I was missing mountains in our midst and I thank you for giving Eddie a boldness to invite us to see them today. To see the reality that you are revealing yourself in this very moment to us and with us. That you are doing incredible things in our midst and your spirit is at hand. Lord, while we... Uh, while we still pray for the supernatural, uh, for the big, help us see your supernatural in the small. Help us see the work you're doing in our midst and the work in which you are uh, leading us to. Lord, help us stay awake so that we don't miss out on what your spirit is doing amongst the church at Andover. Pour out your grace upon us, Lord, that we might grow in love of you and love of others, that we might be more aware of your presence, and that in and through us the world might see your face. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.